Lord, we thank you for um, your people this morning. Lord, we thank you for what you have already done. We thank you, Lord God, for healing people. We thank you, Lord God, for speaking to people. We thank you for words of knowledge and prophetic words, Lord God, that have ministered to people. And Lord, there are needs that are here. And Lord God, you're the God that meets those needs because you're everything. You're our protection. You're our healing. You're our provision. You're everything. You're our peace. You're our joy. And Lord, I pray that you would minister to each and every person, even where, Lord God, that I am fallible and I am unable, Lord God, to meet the needs of people, Lord Jesus. You're able to meet them regardless of what I say, what I do, or don't do, Lord God. You are able to touch them right where they are. So, Lord God Almighty, give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and, Lord God, the heart to be able to participate in what you're doing. In Jesus' name. And we all said amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You know, years ago, um, you know, I found myself in a really desperate situation. And I don't know if you have ever found yourself in a desperate situation, but I found that it's, it's important to prepare before you get into a desperate situation rather than wait till you're in a desperate situation. Amen? And, you know, many times in our lives, you know, we can be just going through the motions uh, of our relationship with God and not necessarily feel like there's a reason to necessarily be able to hear from the Lord. Uh, but if we, would, if we would be in a place where we would learn to, you know, uh, uh, connect with him so that we can hear from him or be aware of how he communicates to us, that when we get into those places, then it's not as hard. It's a, it's a way of life, right? Uh, you know, sometimes I find that people, um, they're, they're all of a sudden, they're in a, in a place where a family member is sick or something happens, and all of a sudden, that's when they want to try to figure out, like, what God's saying or what God's doing. And the stress alone, you know, wanting to make something happen in your own ability, um, you know, and, and it, that becomes something that overwhelms us, and, and it, it can actually cause us to shut down and, and, and not be able to hear from the Lord in the midst of those moments, um, you know, because we want it so badly um, that it's hard to rest and it's hard to be able to hear from the Lord. Amen. Um, so I found myself in one of those situations. We were up um, um, at a cabin. We have a ca- We used to have a cabin. We don't have it anymore. But um, we used to have a cabin in Montana where we would go and we'd take the kids uh, fishing and, and, and things in the streams. And we would go four-wheeling and we would kind of do some of those kinds of things. And so we were up there at the cabin. And the cabin has a loft. And the loft has like a, there's a hole like where there's a ladder you could climb up into the loft, you know. And there was no like door on it or, or, or whatever. And so I remember... My my second oldest daughter, Reagan, um, she was up there and they were playing and she fell back um, backwards like um, through that hole. And I remember, you know, we were sitting there eating and I remember looking out of the corner of my eye and I saw this flash uh, of, of her shirt or whatever. I can't remember what color shirt she was wearing right now. but um, uh, And she fell and she landed on her shoulder and her head. And I mean, so, and it was, you know, it's probably like 15, 20 feet in the air or whatever and stuff. And, um, and so it was a major deal. And I remember, you know, we, my, me and my father-in-law, we got up and we ran over to my daughter immediately and, you know, we picked her up and when we picked her up, she was like, she was, there was, 
she wasn't really conscious. She was totally out of it. Her, you know, her arms and legs are just kind of like dead weight, you know. And and, and I, I remember that, you know, she was convulsing too. Like her body was like convulsing. And, and so it was a very scary situation. And to be honest, you know, in the, in the, in the, in that moment, you know, I would like to say, well, the first thing I thought is like, we should pray, but that wasn't the first thing we thought is like, we got to get her to the hospital. Matter of fact, I think that my father-in-law said, we got to get her to the hospital. And, um, and then my daughter started to come to just a little bit and, and, and she, and she started to like kind of whine or cry and say, well, I don't want to go, you know, like, and, 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 and so, you know, and at that moment I felt like quickened to pray. And I remember, I, I, you know, I remember the Lord speaking that he would touch her. And so, um, you know, I, we started to pray for her. And as we prayed for her, like, you know, all of her body um, functions, you know, they began to come back and to normalize. And all of a sudden she, said, she says, Dad, I don't hurt anymore. And, and, and so she, and she got up and she started to walk and she just went out and started playing again. And she never went to the hospital that day. Amen. And, and, you know, like, you know, you know, that, that luck, I shouldn't say lucky. I know you guys call it the pot luck, you know, but like, uh, uh, but, um, you know, some people are, you know, they don't, some people get mad about that, you know, calling it luck, but, um, uh, you know, it's the pot part that I get more concerned about, but no, no, I'm anyway, but, um, that has nothing to do with anything. Amen. <laughs> but, you know, you know, we've been talking this weekend a little bit about like what it means to, um, to be an authentic Christian, you know, like be genuine in your faith with the Lord. And this morning, I think, I, you know, it's not just important to figure out how to be genuine. I think most people start off in that place. But how do you maintain that? Like, how do you stay in that place of staying connected to God, right? Because that's, that's really important. Because the challenge uh, of the church has been to revert back to doing things the way that they knew how to do it before, rather than continue to live in a new way of life. As a matter of fact, in Hebrews chapter uh, 6, which is um, something I wanted to read to you this morning, uh, the Bible talks about this a little bit. And it, and it, and it talks about, um, I mentioned this the other day, we were, um, we were originally talking about 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 5, where you know, there's a scripture that actually talks about people that are born again, uh, people that are Christians, and they're not living like Christians. And it actually says that these are people that they, that they have a form of, or they have uh, an image of godliness. It looks like they're living for God, but but really they are not. And the Bible says that there's no power of God that is in them. Amen. There's no power of God that is manifesting through their lives, right? And and, and so there's supposed to be an internal transformation that's happened inside of us that that we're maintaining in our relationship with God. And um and and, and here in um, Hebrew. Hebrews chapter 6, if, if some of you are uh, following along in terms of the Bible um, aspect and want to flip there, otherwise you can just listen or it'll be up on the screen. Uh, but, it, but it says this um, in, in verse, um, verse 1. It says, Therefore let us go on and get past the elementary stage in the teachings and the doctrine of Christ the Messiah, advancing steadily toward the completeness and perfection that belong to spiritual maturity. Spiritual maturity is actually that thing where we're learning to maintain. You don't get mature. 
by, you know, just coming to an altar and praying a prayer and then walking away and hoping that everything just works out, right? That you're, you, you get mature by spending time with him. You get, you get mature by actually, you know, cultivating the relationship that you have with the Lord, amen? Some of us come from dysfunctional places, and it's really hard to figure out how to be relational, like, you know, for me, it's a lot, you know, when I first got born again, it, it, it was hard to figure out how to be relational. I didn't really want to have a relationship with people. I remember even family, you know, it was like, I didn't want family. I had to learn to want family. Why? Because I came from a family dynamics that were not, you know, they weren't healthy. So who wants that, right? It was a lot better to get away from that. And so sometimes that can affect even our ability to be relational. You know, I, I notice a lot of people, even in ministry sometimes, that are like, you know, they're, they're hanging out with people, but they're really zoned out. They don't even know how, like, to be in relationship with people. Our phones, our technology hasn't made it any easier, right? You know, I mean, you're sitting with somebody, you know, or I mean, you go to any restaurant and you see a couple hanging out together, and they're not really together, they're right? Each of them are on their phone, but we have a hard time being in relationship. You know, pastors talking about how do we focus, how do we focus, right? Because, like, the reality is, like, sometimes you do have to focus. On Sunday mornings, I have to work hard to focus because I don't like being up in the morning, right, having some coffee. I want to feel sorry for myself and say, man, I feel tired, and I don't really want to, you know, I don't want to, you know, maybe we could do the meeting in the morning that, or in the evening because that's way more spiritual, isn't it? Um, but, like, you know, we have to focus. We have to get our brains, you know, we have to get some caffeine. I don't know. I'm not an addict, I promise. But, uh, you know, but, um, uh Maybe. Uh, praise the Lord. All right. I, I, I'll repent for, you know, maybe I'm lying. But, um, you know, here, here we are, and, 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 and it's talking about this thing. There's, there's a maturity, right, that maturity to focus and sometimes do the things that we don't necessarily always feel like doing. And then when we get in there, there's a result that comes. Amen? And, and, and here it, it, it actually mentions here in, in the last part of this verse, it actually says, let us not again be laying the foundation of repentance an abandonment to dead works, dead formalism, and a faith by which you turned to God. Now that's a lot, right? Let us not begin not let us not again be laying the foundation of repentance. Do you know this is the only time in scripture that the Bible actually says, like, don't uh, you know, don't lay again the foundation. Like, like what is the foundation of repentance? That's actually when you turned your life over to God. That's the foundation, right? And the Bible's not saying that you don't ever need to repent. You know, sometimes people will say, well, you don't need to repent. Well, that's not really true, right? I mean, if you're married and you've never repented, you're probably not married anymore, okay? Like, because, like, you've got to change your direction. you got to change your attitude. That's true about any relationship, not just with God, right? You know, you, you have to make changes, right, in terms of mindsets and behaviors in order to grow as a person, right? But that's not what this is talking about. This is saying you don't need to come back and try to build the same foundation over and over again. Or at least Paul is saying, at least the heart of it is to say, you should not have to do that, right? You should be like steadily advancing. You should be maturing. You should be becoming, you know, moving into that place of the revelation of the perfection that you've been given in Christ Jesus, amen? And that's what he's saying here, right? And what is he saying that about? Let us not 
again be laying the foundation of repentance and abandonment to dead works. So this kind of comes together. It's coupled together, right? Uh, let's abandonment to dead works. The w- dead works are the works of the dead man. Well, who's the dead man? Well, the dead man's supposed to be the man or the woman that was before Christ, Amen. right? You were supposed to have been crucified uh, with Christ Jesus, and you were supposed to have died to an old nature, an old way of doing things, an old way of living, and you were supposed to be resurrected anew in the new life of Jesus Christ, and he was supposed to become your new identity. That's the Christian faith. That is the, it's not just a belief that Jesus lived. It's not just that he existed. And whether you agree with that, it was that you yourself died. If you have not died, there is no, there's no life of God in us. Amen. We're, We're not. We're not Christians just because of our agreement, because of our philosophy. We're Christians because we've become born again of the Spirit. Amen? And so, and so here he talks about abandonment of dead works. That means that we're not doing things by our own ability. That means that we're not doing things by our own logic. That means we're not doing things by our, you know, our personality or, or because of our mindset or because that we think that we can will ourselves into a place because they're dead works. They have no life in them. Amen? And, you know, that, and that's one of the things that's really problematic about the way we do Christianity today in terms of the Western world because we think that if we get better blueprints, more better strategies, you know, that we will become more effective. And I would just say this. I would question that because the church um, in in the United States, at least, um, we have a negative conversion rate. That means we have more people that are dying and not being replaced in terms of coming to Christ, and we're not moving forward in that regard, at least the Caucasian church. The Hispanic church is actually the only church that's actually growing in terms of the United States, you know, and and actually seeing life of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. But for all of our strategies and for all of our plans and all of our blueprints and all of our ability to think that we can logically figure out how to do things and even to embrace everything and to let our... uh, um, Uh, let our standards go down and just try to figure out how to make everybody and everybody's lifestyle work, we still are losing ground rather than actually gaining ground. Because it's built on the works of the dead man. It requires us to be able to do things by the Spirit of God, that we were supposed to have another way of operating. So the Bible's saying that how we're supposed to live is that we repented when we gave our life to Christ of living by dead works or by formulas or what the Bible calls formalism here. And it says, like, and, and then we turn to faith, right? That we turn to faith in God, right? That's, that means that we were living a life in our own ability. And we came to Christ and we said, okay, I'm no longer going to live that way. So I'm going to repent and I'm going to turn. And now my life is no longer going to be me deciding 
how to do things in my own ability, but I'm going to live by faith. Now, what does faith mean? The Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That word is a rhema word, which means God himself actually speaks to you. It does not mean that you opened up the Bible and you read it. That's just not what it means there. It doesn't mean that you should not do that, but it means that you're supposed to be living another life. You're supposed to be living a life as a believer because this is what you chose to do. Turn to faith, which meant you chose to have a relationship that was ongoing with God through the Holy Spirit that he would actually speak to you or you don't have to, you know, you don't have to use that word speak necessarily in the sense that what God's really trying to articulate there is that he's communicating to you. And how does he communicate to you so that you will live your life based on what it is that he is saying or what it is that he's showing you? See, that's a new way of life. See, that's the normal Christian life. The normal Christian life is not to open up the Bible, read the Bible, and just do what it is in your own ability. It was supposed to give you a knowledge that would push you into relationship with God so that you could get a revelation of that knowledge, which according to Hebrews chapter 4, the Bible says, like if you were, anybody want to live in the promises of God? All right. The Bible says there that there were people, what, Joshua and Caleb, right, that they heard from God. Okay, I mean, this is Old Testament. They heard from God. Because they heard from God, they believed God. So they were able to do what other people were not able to do. How many know it's really different if you hear from God? It's, it's a whole different thing than if somebody else hears from God. You know, uh, let me just stop right there. You know, we've done a lot of prophetic, you know, ministry this weekend. One thing that I've found about the prophetic is that sometimes people just are hungry to get another word. There's nothing wrong with getting a word in and of itself. But if you, you know, like I was in New Jersey, and there was a lady one time, I remember, um, I prophesied over her. The next day, she brought back 12, uh, 12 of her friends. And, and it was before the meeting, and she says, will you prophesy over my, my friends? And I'm like, oh, boy. Okay, this is before the meeting starts, right? It's 12 of them. It's going to take a little while, right? And then, it, then I got done prophesying over all 12 of those women, and she just got prophesied um, over the night before. And then she said, would you prophesy over me again? And I was like, I had to say, well, no, I can't. You know, I just gave you a word last night. I just prophesied over all your friends. But you need to go get your own word. You need to go connect with God for yourself. I wasn't trying to be mean. I was trying to teach her to grow in her own relationship with the Lord, right? And, and you know, the prophetic should inspire people. Like, if, if you're in a room, like I had some people tell me, like, this weekend, and it happens on different weekends too, they said, well, I knew, what, uh, I don't remember, I think it might have been this gentleman. He told me then the first night, he says, I know everybody that you spoke over, and you were right on the people that you spoke over. Well, praise God, because sometimes I might not be right on. But praise God that I was right on that night or whatever, and that ministers to people. But see, like, then, if you are witnessing that, then there should be something in you that goes, if God can speak to him, 
And I'm telling you, I, I mean, I tell people all the time, I am living proof that God is desperate for men. Okay, I, I did not start off on the right side of the tracks and was not bred correctly in order to have this status or something like that. I'm telling you that it is, it is you know, just, you know, the grace of God that he has somehow led me into a place to connect with him and that sometimes I actually get it right. Amen? Or he gets it right through me would be a better way of saying it. Amen? But I'm telling you, like, what's supposed to happen is when you see God using somebody, you know, God's not a respecter of people. You're supposed to go, wait a second. If he can hear from God, maybe I can. Maybe I can get with God and God can speak to me. And I, and I just guarantee you, when, when God speaks to you, not even because he used you from a ministry standpoint to say, I have a word for somebody else, but when God actually speaks to you for your own life, <clears throat> it's going to mean way more to you than it is if it came from somebody else. Amen. I mean, like, I mean, when, when you give a word, like I'll tell somebody, like somebody came up to me and said, well, hey, you gave me this word and, um, you know, we're not sure what it meant. And I've had that happen sometimes. And I'll tell people at the end of a meeting, I'll say, you know what? You should, um, you, 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 you should not necessarily go on every word that I gave. If I gave you a word and it was right, praise the Lord. If you know that it was right, praise the Lord. If I was wrong, get rid of it. Discard it because I'm a human being. I could be wrong. And, you know, sometimes I may not be wrong, but I'm not going to. It's not about ego. You don't have to run around and tell people how right you are all the time. Right? But then, then there are sometimes these other words that God will give to people that doesn't make any sense. And so, you know, there was a word that I think I gave to a couple yesterday. That was the case. And, um, but, you know, years ago I found out, um, you know, that, that sometimes you're in a season that God speaks about a season that you're not in, and it doesn't necessarily make sense to you where you're at. And so I had a guy in, uh, he was in Oklahoma at the time that I prophesied over him, and I don't remember the word, but it was something about he was going to move or transition, and that he was going to be doing some other kind of thing with his life, and I think it was ministry or business. I can't remember all the details. So nevertheless, you know, um, you know, he thought I was crazy. No, that's what he told me. He wrote to me in an email. He didn't tell me at the time, but he wrote to me in an email about three years later, and he says, you know, when you spoke over me three years ago, you may not remember me, but he says, he says, I thought you were nuts. And that's not unusual that people think I'm nuts, okay? You probably already think I'm nuts if you've been listening to me. But like, uh, you know, so, so he said, but I am now doing every single thing that you said that I would be doing with my life three years ago. And see, there are times where it doesn't make sense, and you got to put it on the shelf and say, okay, God, I'm going to remember this in the back of my mind, and I'm going to be praying, and, and, and then, you know, I'm going to be waiting to see that there would be a confirmation of what it is that you're saying or doing in my life. Amen? But that's why it's so important to have your own relationship with God. Like, I personally, like, I mean, I'm just telling you, I, I, I'm talking about trying to be authentic this weekend, so, like, you know, I would never, ever make a decision based on a prophetic word from a person alone. Never. There would be some kind of a witness in my own heart and my own spirit in regards to that. Amen? Because God's not just looking. It doesn't mean that you don't trust the word of, the, of a prophet or, or, or get a reward of a prophet or all those kinds of things. It means that, the, that mature Christians are supposed to be like filtering that 
with the spirit of God that is inside of them. There ought to be a witness and there ought to be a testimony, amen, that God isn't just trusting other people, but he's actually also trusting the God that is in you, amen? That doesn't mean that there isn't sometimes, you know, things that you don't want to do that God's still working on you to get you to want to do. And sometimes that can be, sometimes prophecy can be an exhortation. So that means it can provoke you. I mean, because exhortation is trying to get you to move into something. The hardest aspect of the prophetic from the new covenant is that exhortation is to try to get you moving into something. You need to be exhorted because you need a little bit of a push to get there. Because sometimes we don't want to get there in and of ourselves. Amen? And so, you know, so you got Joshua and Caleb. They actually heard from the Lord. And look at the difference that it made in their lives when they actually heard from the Lord. They believed God. And they said, okay, we're going to go and we're going to take the promised land. We can conquer the giants. It doesn't matter how much the opposition. But the rest of the people, they did not believe. And there's a verse, I think it's, um, I think it's verse uh, 6. And it actually talks about, it says that the people, the reason why they didn't get to go into the promised land, none of them made it into the promised land. And the reason why they didn't make it into the promised land, it says they did not appropriate it. That means that they did not take the revelation that was given to Joshua and Caleb, and they did not filter it with the Lord and their own connection and their own relationship to find out what God was saying. What they did is they stood on the outside and they heard the word of the Lord and they decided whether they thought that that looked right or didn't look right from the natural alone. And when they determined that, without consulting God and without deciding that there was a new way that they were supposed to live, what they did is they forfeited their own destiny. And so the Bible calls the old covenant the way of the flesh. Like what was, what was hidden in the old is now revealed in the new, and now we have insight based on what they did that would allow us to be able to live in a different way, Right? And now we have Christ living inside of us. We have the Spirit of God living inside of us. Let me tell you, this is exactly how the majority of the church lives in our nation. You guys are the exception. I get it, right? But, like, why is it important for you to know that? If you're living this way, it's because it's not just important that you can do this stuff. It's important that you show other people how to do it. There's a whole nother generation. There's a whole nother group of people out there that need to be discipled in relationship with God to help them know that they have to have their own relationship with God and not just go to church, not just read their Bible, but actually connect with the living God. Amen? As a matter of fact, when you read the Bible, to be honest with you, I'm, I'm surprised because it's so general in many places that it wasn't meant to be specific in terms of the personal aspects of every area of your life. It was supposed to give you some guidelines about and and teach you to have the relationship, but there are specific things in your life and every person in here that are not in the Bible. Like, what are you supposed to do with your life? The Bible doesn't tell you you all have to do the same thing. How are you going to make a living? Who are you supposed to marry? (laughs) How do you give counsel to your kids? I mean, there's a lot of stuff there that you, that you actually have to get a little more personal with God. Because God tells you you got to get personal, but then he's getting personal for a reason. He actually cares about the things that are going on. And, and so some people don't think God cares. 
because they haven't got with him and haven't figured out, you know, if you get with him, that he will begin to speak to you about the things that are actually important in your lives. He knows the decisions you got to make. He knows the health problems that are going on. He knows the relational conflicts that can be going on in your life. He knows that you got to figure out how to have purpose. He knows you got to figure out how to live and pay your bills. He knows all of those things, and he actually has insight into those things. And see, the Bible's saying here that your old way of life was that you decided it. You determined what you ought to do. You determined how you would do it. And you made the effort. You used your intellect. You used your relationships to figure out how to make things happen. And then God says, okay, now you have a whole new way of living. And if you want to experience the promises that I told you that are yours, they are for you. I told you that they are for you, but you cannot receive these promises by living out of the way that you used to live. It will require you to actually come into a relationship with me and begin to get my heart, to begin to understand what I want to say about it so that you can believe and agree, and in that alone, I will perform on your behalf. I will do it for you. You know why? Because God wants to be God for you. No, he wants to be God for you. He wants to be bigger than we are. He wants you to know that he cares about you. He wants you to know that he actually is going to do the things that he said that he would do. Not just generally. He wants to specifically show you that he wants to do those things. So when you get together with him and you spend time with him and he begins to say those things and you begin to put your trust in him, you allow him to be God. And then what does that do? That totally changes your life. What happens when you experience that one time? Just one time. Just get a taste that God actually speaks. Just get a taste that God actually will do what he says that he will do. That he made it personal. Oh, wow. Now I have an experience. Now I have an encounter. And now I want to do it again. I want to do it again because if God could do it once and he's the same God yesterday, today, and forever, he could do it again. And I don't just want to live on the pastor's revelation and I don't just want to live on a leader's revelation and I don't just want to live on some past idea or some you know experience that I have with God. I want to have a fresh one. I want to have something brand new, right? Because that's who he is. The Bible says that he makes everything new. All you have to do is get into his presence, and all of a sudden, everything that seemed mundane and old and not a big deal, all of a sudden, it feels fresh, it feels new, it feels exciting. How do you know people aren't having, aren't having any time with the Lord? Because they're miserable. Like... You cannot spend time with God and be miserable. You, you can be a Christian in belief. You can be a Christian in terms of like, you know, your theology and your doctrine. And you can have everything right. But if you don't spend any time with God, you're miserable. And then those miserable people are running around telling everybody how they should be miserable too and come to Jesus. And then we can't figure out why there's no life. See, like, if God is joy, you can't hang out with him and have no joy. 
Like, I'm telling you, even, I'm just telling you, even out of my own experience, like, you, you cannot hang out with God even when things are going bad and stay focused on everything that's bad. Because that's not even the nature of God. Like, when you get with God, even if, like, let's say everything in your life is bad, it's falling apart. If you get with God, you'll start to forget about all of that, and you'll be, he'll begin to get your eyes on to something else, like what he's doing, what it is that he's saying. And as soon as he does that, all of a sudden you start to have a hope. All of a sudden that hope, you know, like it could turn to faith because God could speak in the middle of it. And all of a sudden you have a whole different orientation. And even though your life looks in the natural, like it's going nowhere, and it looks like there's nothing to look forward to, and it looks like, you know, even worse, you know, it's going to end up, you know, you know, worse off than it already is, you know that something could change and something is going to change. And all of a sudden, you start being able to press through the circumstances, situations. You're no longer just complaining. You're no longer just miserable because you're focused on where it is that God's taking you. See, this is, what, this is what's been, you know, and it's supposed to be a part of our relationship with God, right? This is why the, Paul says, you know, what we don't want to do is we don't want to give our lives to Jesus and then just keep living the same way that we've always lived or revert back to a way that we used to live where we trust just in our own abilities and ourself because if you do that, then you're going to have to lay again another foundation of repentance where you're going to have to start to live the new life that you were supposed to live. And we have a lot of people that are in those places where they're trying, they, they're trying to live out of the same way that they used to live. Amen? On the outside, it looks like we all should be doing everything the same. I'm practical, okay? Man, I, I mean, I, I do like practical stuff. I'm not. I, I could tell you this, okay? Because some of you, if you think I'm being too spiritual here for a moment, um, I'll, I'll bring down the practicals. Like, even what I do as a minister, like a lot of people think, um, you know, you you um, you hear from God, or you you know you you get spiritual insight and read the Word, and, and you you can you preach or do that. A, a lot of I know a lot of people that they can't figure out why nothing ever happens in their life, even though they can do those things. Like the easiest thing I do is preach. Honestly. And the easiest thing your pastor does is probably preach. Maybe, you know, uh, that, that would be my guess. It, it's all the other stuff with, you know, with the people and all those. But, for, you know, for me, like, I mean, if, if I didn't know how to organize anything, like, in terms of you have to be able to organize to some degree. You have to be able to, you know, plan, and you have to be able to put. The, the issue isn't that you're not supposed to be practical anyway. It's supposed to be that your practical is based on what he said. Because some people that I mean, some people just get like where they're all like spiritual, and then and then and then and then they don't try to do anything practical. It's like if God said get married and He never left your house, right? You're probably not going to meet anybody, right? And so you know, but it's it's the same thing on the practical. If you do all the practical things and you just trust yourself then you're not going to have any insight into what God's saying or doing. And now there's not going to be any fruit because you're turning your wheels. Anybody? No, don't raise your hand. Yeah. Um, 
you know, so people do that all the time, don't they? Like they, they, they're in the Christian faith and they're, they're working so hard. And, and, and they're doing everything. It even looks like they're doing everything right. But yet there's no fruit. And let me tell you, that's a hard way to live, right? Because see, here's the, the, the scriptures, you know, the Bible says not by might, not by strength, but by my spirit, says the Lord. There are, there, there, let me just put this, there is a certain opposition that God has. And his opposition is you trusting in you rather than trusting in him. Because he didn't make you, he didn't make you to do that. And so, like, there's a difference. Like, you could be doing everything right, and it's like you're pounding your head up against the wall. It's just like, and eventually, if you do that for long enough, it's going to wear you out. And you're going to get tired, and you're going to and you're gonna feel, you know, eventually discouraged, and you're not going to want to keep trying. Because you're going to say, if I'm going to put all this effort in, and nothing ever changes, and nothing ever gets better, and I never get to experience the promises of God, what's the point? See, that's the plan of the enemy. I think I was here before, I, and I might have talked about Daniel 7.25, where it talks about the enemy. And in Daniel 7.25 there, you know, that's part of the, the purpose. The Bible says that he would persecute the saints of the Most High, or he would wear out the saints of the Most High. It was prophesied, right? That's his goal. His way of persecuting you is to wear you out. That's why the enemy's goal the plan is to get you to do stuff in your own ability so that you get worn out. Because if you get worn out, you quit having a relationship with God. You start having a relationship with people. You give up altogether. Some people even walk away from the Lord because they feel like the Lord doesn't work when they weren't even trusting the Lord. It wasn't that the Lord wasn't working. It was that they were actually relying on themselves. Like that, that, That's, you know... Part of what I like actually about the supernatural, if you will, or, or healing and this lady that was talking about her knees and different things, what I like about it is because there's no way that you can do that. Like you can't heal anybody. Not, not by yourself. You, can't, you, you know, it has to, it's only Christ heals. We're used sometimes by God to, to heal people, but like you, you know it's God because you can't do it. There's nothing, like, even though, even though I believe in healing, I love healing. I mean, I love people that get healed because, you know, it doesn't change my life, but it sure changes theirs. And, and, and I, I, I love healing because, like, it, it, it shows you. It's got prophecy, words of knowledge, the supernatural. It shows you that it's him rather than having to be us because sometimes we don't see it in the other areas, Right? But it requires us to come to that place to let go of that, which is really what the Bible's talking about when it comes to living by faith. And so these people, all right, I don't even know what time it is, but praise God, I feel like I preached longer than I'm supposed to already. <laughs> praise God. All right, it's a quarter to, it's 10 to, it's a quarter to 11 or 12, not 10. Somebody say 10? All right, I got two more hours to go. <laughs> praise the Lord, Amen. You know, I remember my father-in-law at one point, like he had open heart surgery. And, and, and I remember he had like, I can't remember, it was like a quadruple bypass. Matter of fact, it's one of the only times in my ministry where I um, actually, um, you know, canceled like a whole week of meetings. And um, I, I normally, I just try to do what I say I'm going to do and stuff. And um, my wife called me and, and my father had had a heart attack and, and they life flighted him by helicopter. And, and my wife called me and said, 
I can't do this alone. I need you to come home. So I, I canceled all my meetings, and I, and I just went home to be with my wife. And I remember, like, we didn't know if he was going to live. We didn't know if he was going to come through. And my wife, she's a prayer warrior too, and she, um, and she was just, she was started praying for him. And I remember that, you know, um, the anesthesiologist came out of the operating room, and she said, I've, he said, I've never seen anything like this before. His heart was gray. It, 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 the, 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 the flesh was, it was dead. And he said, and he says, somehow in the middle of that operation, he said, color started to come back in that tissue. And he said that that tissue that was dead came alive again, and it was pink when I left. And he came out and he testified, you know, um, out there in the lobby about what was happening. And so even in, even in that process, I remember like, you know, he was going through this AFib and stuff like that. And family was there. And my wife would sit there in the operating room. And, that, and sometimes that thing would just go like, you know, crazy it would either flatline or whatever it did and she'd just start praying and that thing would just it would change immediately and the heartbeat would come back and over and over again you know there was a testimony of God right and that's and that's not because like just in the moment it wasn't just because okay I want to do this and I want to make it happen it's because that's my my wife has been through some things and she's spent time with God and so there's an authority that comes that she's not just doing it by her own accord she's doing it based on what the Lord is doing as well, amen? Even though she wants it, she has an ability to be able to hear because of her own relationship with God, amen? And that's what we all are looking for and we all need at some point, right? In Hebrews here, it actually says like, you know, if you go back to verse 11 uh, of chapter five, you see that this is, this is Paul talking to another group of people. Matter of fact, I was gonna go to Second Corinthians or First Corinthians chapter two a little bit today, but I'm not gonna get there. But it but it actually talks about there, you know, what are carnal Christians? I think that you know, carnal Christians are Christians that live by the flesh. It's what I'm talking about. It's like we're just doing things by our own ability, and Paul calls them carnal Christians, right? Which is the way of the flesh, and 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 that's and that's something that 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 he's trying to get us out of. And in in the terms of our culture right now, that's what we have. We have people that are taught to believe in God, but then try to make it happen in and of themselves. And you know, a lot of the people that I, you know, I personally believe this. I believe a lot of the things that we see that are negative, even in terms of people that are manipulating and people that are controlling and people that are in the, in leadership in the church that are taking advantage of people and even Christians that are doing that. That's because we've learned to live from a carnal place. It's because we've learned to do things on our own, which teaches us that we try need to try to do what we can do for ourselves to get what we can, which is the way of the world, which is no longer by the Spirit. And not only does God want to do things in our lives by the way of the Spirit, but he's also changing our heart, which changed the motives of our heart. Because the way of the world is, yeah, we, we just do whatever we can so that we can be satisfied, so that we can be fulfilled. But see, that's the flesh, and that's not the heart of God. Amen? And right now we're seeing that like happen over and over again. And we build institutions on that. And, 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 and it's, it's not an institution, it's a people, right? It's supposed to be 
the called out ones. It's supposed to be those that are born of another nature, not those that are just continuing to show people the same nature. And so, you know, you can see in the Bible by looking at people before us that they have the same struggle that we have. And that is that we can start to take it for granted that you can have an encounter with God or you can have experience with God and you can somehow decide by your own pride that I'm going to take back over. And I'm not trying to be mean. I mean, I've done that. Anybody, you guys are looking at me like I'm such a sinner. But like, I mean, it's easy to want to take credit for something. Well, I did this. Well, no. And then pretty soon, you start thinking you can take over. And then pretty soon, you end up back in another way of life. You get busy. You know, have you ever noticed that sometimes, like, life just has some way, like, you're doing really well with God, and all of a sudden, some crisis happens, and then all of a sudden, it throws you off? Because it's really easy to get so caught up in the emotions and the drama of a crisis rather than staying in a place that keeps you at a place of peace and keeps you at a place that's in the relationship with him, amen? Because a lot of people will just abandon their whole relationship with God in the midst of crisis. But, you know, that's when you need him the most. And you got to stay connected in the middle of it. But see, look, this is common. This is why Paul says this. And, you know, this is common amongst Christians, not just in our day, but in his day. He says in verse 11, he says, Concerning this, we have much more to say, which is hard to explain since you've become dull in your spiritual hearing. Like, what's that mean? That means that there were a group of people called Christians in Paul's day in the Bible that actually heard from God. Like, because some people are like, well, you can't, you, know, you can't hear from God. Well, then you don't believe the Bible. The Bible says that, the, that my sheep know my voice. The lowest common denominator of the Bible is that every single believer has the capacity in them to be able to hear the voice of God. Like, in my opinion, like, if you're, if you're a sheep, which we all are if we know Jesus Christ, if you're a sheep and you don't know the voice of God, that doesn't necessarily mean you're not born again. But it does mean that you probably don't have a lot of peace because you don't know whose you are. Because it's by hearing the voice of the Father, it's by hearing his voice, that you know that you're a sheep, right? That's how you know. If you don't hear him, how do you know? I mean, it changes your life when you know. It changes your confidence. It changes your trust, right? And it, and it, sa- and it says here that they, were, they had become dull. That means they were once sharp or sharper, right? They were sharper in hearing, from the, hearing the voice of the Lord. And it says, in their spiritual hearing and sluggish, even slothful in achieving spiritual insight. There in verse 12 it says, for even though by this time you ought to be teaching others, you actually need someone to come and teach you over again the very first principles of God's word. Well, that's pretty, that's crazy, right? Paul's saying he could be speaking to your church. He could be speaking to another church. You've been in the word. You know the word. You know, you've been a Christian for 30 years. You've been a Christian for 40 years. And Paul says, you know, I need to come and I need to start all over with you. That's what he's saying. People that think they're mature. I need to start all over. Why? Because you don't even know the very basic first principles of God's word. Well, what's that? To have a relationship with God and to hear his voice. As soon as you abandon that, 
you abandoned the first principles of God's word. The moment that you took over and you decided that you didn't need to hear the voice of God, you abandoned the very first principles of God's word. And that's what the Bible is trying to say. That's what Paul's trying to say here, right? And he's saying that these people, they went from having this like extravagant relationship in the spirit of God where God was communicating to them to now living by principles. Now that's, I mean, that's hard to swallow in our culture because, I mean, we, we just think we need to teach people principles. And we think if we teach them principles, it will cause there to be good people. If we could just teach you, you know, there are some good principles and you can live by these good principles that will we'll create a good people. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says like that we're supposed to teach people not only the principles of God's word, but then we're supposed to teach them to get revelation of those principles. That we're supposed to teach them to actually hear God speak to them about those principles so that they become a part of them, not just something that they become a slave to, to do. Like, I mean, probably nobody in here, maybe there is, but um, never committed murder. The Bible says you're not a murderer. But in, in, in the, um, uh, the Ten Commandments, the Bible tells you not to murder. Well, that's a principle. It's a law. It's a principle. But the Bible doesn't say just not to murder. The Bible says to change your heart. The Bible says that even if you have hate in your heart, that really you have the problem of being a murderer already. And so he's talking about changing your heart. It's not just that you live by principles. I mean, it's good to have, you know, a, a law that says don't murder. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying, like, as Christians, we're not living at the lower level of just hoping that people just don't murder, we actually are wanting God to change their heart so it's not something they have to do, but it's who they are. Amen. Am I making some sense? Yes. Okay, I'm, I'm almost done. I promise. I've said that a few times, right? It says you, And then it says, you have come to need milk and not solid food, which is when he's talking about this idea of living by principles. And it says, for everyone who continues to feed on milk, look what he says, is obviously inexperienced and unskilled in the doctrine of righteousness. That's crazy, isn't it? Inexperienced, that's weird language, isn't it? Inexperienced? I mean, it's not just like a thought. It's not just a theology. It's an experience, right? In the doctrine of righteousness. And, and, and what does it say about the doctrine of righteousness up there? It says it's the conformity to the divine will and purpose, thought, and action. That's supernatural, right? The conformity of the divine, that's the supernatural. That's the spiritual, right? It's not the natural. And then he says, in, in what? In purpose. There's supposed to be supernatural purpose in your life. Like the things that you're doing is supposed to have the divine behind it. You're supposed to be aligned with what it is that he said that he was doing. And then it says thought. You're supposed to be able to think divine thoughts. Thoughts that come from God. You're supposed to have the mind of Christ. And then you're supposed to be able to put it into action. 
I like that part. Anybody like action? I like action. Amen. If you like action movies, this is what he's talking about, right? You have an encounter with God, and now you go put it into action. Amen? And he, said, and he says, if you're not doing this, you're just a mere infant not able to talk yet. Meaning what? Because you can't actually make the things that God is wanting to do in your lives actually materialize so they will become practical. See, like God's concerned about the practical. You know, people say, well, you're so spiritually minded, you know, earthly good. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in, in heaven. In other words, there's supposed to be a revelation of heaven that's supposed to manifest in the earth. God is trying to figure out how to get his people to connect with that that is in the heavens so that we can actually get that to be something that we experience here. So that other people will get to experience that here. Amen. Like, you know, the other day I was talking about, like, unless we begin to divinely realize, like, the, these realities that our communities are going to suffer. And right now a lot of people are suffering. A lot of people are trying to fight battles. I was talking about in terms of Ephesians 6. They're trying to fight battles in the natural that were meant to be fought in the spirit. And because of that, we are losing those battles that should have already been taken care of in the spirit so that we don't have to fight those battles and we don't have to wear out and we don't have to have see all the people that we care about suffering. Huh. Amen. And he says in verse 14, this is what he says here, but solid food is for full-grown men, for those whose senses and mental faculties are trained by practice. This is what I talking about. You don't want to wait till you're in the battle to get it. This says by practice, right? Some translations say by reason of use. That means like you're practicing being with God so that you know how to hear his voice. By reason of use, that means what? You just use your gifts, you use your time with God, you, you learn, you begin to sharpen your ability to discern and to hear from Him by doing that on a regular basis. So that way you'll know and you'll recognize when the time comes that you really need that. And it says here that then you would be able to discriminate and distinguish what is good and what is of God and what is of human law. This is all saying that you would be able to discern what is God and not God so that you would be able to participate in what he's doing and what he is not doing. So you could be led. Amen? Amen. Turn with me over to 1 John and then we'll, this will be it. Amen. Some of you are laughing. All right. Praise <laughs> God. All right. I, I, all right. Um, verse 20. 1 John. Um, chapter 2. I think it's first. But you have been anointed by you hold a sacred appointment from you have been given an unction from the Holy One. And you all know the truth or you will know all things. He says that he put an anointing in you. Matter of fact, that, I, I, that's not in the same scripture that I wanted to, um, wanted to read. Second, let me, let me try to find it here for just a second. It is in the anointing is in you.
Maybe it is the same one. Maybe it is the same one. Yeah, it's verse 27. I'm sorry. It says, but as for you, a couple of verses down, even though that was a great verse, says, but as for you, the anointing, the sacred appointment, the unction which you received from him abides permanently in you. Like some people, they don't think they're anointing. They're anointed. And I don't actually like it that people will say like, well, there's someone else is like anointed necessarily from um, and distinguishing certain people from others because I believe that there's only one anointed one. And his name is Jesus. And the manifestation of the anointing actually comes from people that have been with God. Amen? And, 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 and it says here, it says, so then you have no need that anyone should instruct you. But just as his anointing teaches you concerning everything. And see, I was talking about this the other day. I'm not saying that somebody can't teach. The Bible's not trying to say that. It's saying that only God can show you how to have the relationship component with God the Father so that you can hear from him. Only God can teach you how to have that relationship. You have to spend time with him how to do that so you know how to interact with him. But just as his anointing teaches you concerning everything that's true and is no falsehood, so you must abide in, live in, never depart from him, being rooted in him, knit to him, just as his anointing has taught you to do. This is what the anointing teaches you to do. The language of the Bible here is not just like give your life to Jesus and just kind of passively go through it. He says, make sure you cling to, make sure you abide. I was teaching on this um, concept of abide a little while ago. The word abide means you're so connected with God that you actually know what he's doing and you can actually do what he's doing. It means that you actually know what he's saying and you can actually say what it is that he's saying. Amen. This is what the anointing was for. The anointing was to cause the kingdom to manifest in your life and in the lives of everybody else that is around you. That they would be experiencing kingdom. This is the most practical thing that could ever happen. Some people, they don't understand it. The Bible says that's because it's carnal. If you've been living from a carnal place, the Bible says the carnal man, the unspiritual man, they can't understand the spiritual. It's foolishness to them, they said. But see, it's not foolish if you understand that there is an anointing of God that he wants to release in your life that would cause the practical areas of your life to conform with heaven. That's not foolishness. If God is provision and God is spirit, and you need to pay your bills, what's the most practical thing that can happen? A word from the Lord? God giving you some kind of spiritual insight? If you're sick, what's the most practical thing that happened? A word from the Lord. How many would rather have a word from the Lord than be going underneath the scalpel? Amen? I mean, if you need peace... If you need joy, if you need reconciliation, you need a relationship to maybe made well. All of this, the Bible says, there's not one area of your life that is not spiritually able to be altered in the natural by you connecting with God. There's not one problem in the earth. Our fight is not against the people. 
Our fight is not against flesh and blood. Our fight is in the spirit against other entities that want to keep you from experiencing God's love, God's goodness, God's promises. Amen? And, you know, there's a lot of Christians that are mad at everything else. You don't get mad when you're in the spirit with God because you see. You see what it's all about. It's not about the people. You're not mad at people here. You might be mad at the demon. You might be, but, but you're not mad either because you just practically see, okay, you're dealing with what is behind it. Amen? And God wants you not only to just like be authentic, he he wants you to stay in that place. Yes. That you have to maintain it, right? You have to you have to stay in that place where it's necessity for you to hear God or 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 be aware of how God communicates to you so that you can experience that for yourself. Amen. That's that's a good God. That's an awesome God. And that's what he wants for you. I hope you got something out of this even this morning. Um, you know, I, I was just kind of trying to figure out what would be the best way to end, it, end, end the weekend. You know, but we need an authenticness. Not just people that say they believe in God. Not just people that actually, like, you know, say they just go to church. I mean, I'm all for that, okay? I'm not trying to get you. But if you go to church but you don't spend any time with God... You're just surviving. There, there, there has to be something that people see that's real in our lives. It's not phony. It's not fake. And I'm not talking about running around and quoting Bible verses and theologies and trying to. I'm talking about like that people see that there's a real genuine relationship with God. The people that are most effective aren't the people that are acting spiritual. It's so, it's so irritating to me that people feel like they have to act spiritual. Like, you don't have to act like it. You are. But when you're with God, like, I mean, those people aren't trying to show people, like, how spiritual they are. There's a, there's a genuine love that comes out of their heart because it expresses itself because they've been with one, the one that is love. They don't, have to, they don't have to try to, like, do something to make it seem like that. And then people wonder, like, how are you so nice? How are you so kind? How are you so good? How is it that you're, like, wanting to serve? How is it, uh, there's all these other attributes. People need to see something that's genuine. You know, right now, a lot of people just say, I don't know. I don't know what the real God is. I don't know what's real, what's authentic, and what's not. It seems like these people say they're Christians, and they're full of hate, and these people say they're Christians, and, you know, they're for this cause, they're for this agenda, this political thing. And then there's these other Christians, and they seem like that they are so different than these other ones. And nobody knows what the real thing is anymore. Amen? And we, and we need people to see people that are like, that they're with God. They've been with God. They've been in his presence. And there's something about being in his presence, the Bible says, that is on you. You know, that's Isaiah, right? That it's not just in you, but it's on you. And it, and it causes other people. The Bible literally says that if you do that, that, that people will actually see God on you. That's a big deal, amen? Rather than just like, you know, trying to figure out how to make people believe or trying to change things in and of your own strength or ability, Amen. That's amazing. So, Lord, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your goodness. Just lift your hands with me all over this place. Spirit of the living God, 
Lord, wake us up. Lord, I know you've been waking us up all weekend, Lord God, but we say, awake, O oh sleeper. Lord God Almighty, Lord, we want to be stirred. <laughs> we want to be stirred in you, Lord God. We want to live a life of excitement, Lord God. We want to live on the edge, Lord God. Lord Jesus, we don't want to just live in a place of religion. We want to live in a place of freedom. We want to live you with you. We want to be connected to you, Lord. Lord, I pray for a quickening, Lord God, of your Holy Spirit, Lord God, a sensitivity, an awareness in every believer in this place, Lord God, that they would know how to hear you for themselves, what it is that you're saying and doing. Let your promises, Lord God, be realized and actualized. Let your promises, Lord God, not only take over their lives, but Lord God, let it overflow and affect the lives of those that are around them. Jesus, we want to be authentic. We want to be found genuine. We want to be found in you. Lord, we don't want to live a counterfeit Christianity. We don't want to live a life, Lord God, where we found out at the end of our lives that we had our ladder on the wrong wall, that we built our whole lives after an agenda, after something that was not of you. To feel like we had to take that ladder down and climb back down and start all over by having to start with a foundation that was meant to be lived on from the beginning rather than having to learn it later. So in the name of Jesus, help us to fall in love with you again. Lord, even as you exhorted in the word, Lord God, that there were people, Lord God, they forgot their first love. Lord, we don't want to forget our first love. We don't want to get caught up in the circumstances, the situations, the disappointments, the discouragements, Lord God, that life would try to bring to every single one of us. We don't ever want to forget our first love. Help us to fall in love with you again all over today. All over again tomorrow. All over again the day after that, Lord Jesus. That people would see something that's real and genuine. Not something of the past, but something that's fresh. Something, Lord God, that's brand new today. Lord, don't let me wear myself out. With all of our heads bowed and eyes closed for just a moment, there may be somebody in this room that doesn't know Jesus Christ. There may be some that have never made sure that they're in right relationship with God. Maybe you never heard a message like this. Maybe you never heard anybody talk like this before. You say, I didn't know that there was a God that was like this. I thought God was just a religious thing. But Jesus said this. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus said that he's the only way to God. He's the only way to the Father. You say, well, Jesus was a good man. Well, he wasn't a good man if he was lying. 
Either Jesus was a liar or he was telling the truth. And Jesus said he was the only way to the Father. He had nothing to gain by telling you that. He died to prove his love for you. And the word truth there is a word that actually means reality. It wasn't just about right and wrong and just about like black and white. And it, it was literally that God himself is another reality and he's from another reality and he came to make that reality real in your life. You don't have to settle for your old reality. You can have a brand new one. He does it on the inside and he changes you from the inside out with his love. And Paul says this, he says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That means there's not one of us that is perfect. There's not one of us that is able to make ourselves right before God. All we can do is surrender and yield and accept what his son, Jesus Christ, did for you and I. God is never going to be impressed with what it is that you and I can do for him. He's impressed with what his son did. And when you acknowledge his son by accepting him and by laying down your life for him, it honors God and it makes you right with him. If you're here this morning and say, you know what, Pastor? I need you to pray for me. I'm not sure if I'm on the right track. I'm not sure that I'm right with God. But I want to make sure that before I leave this morning, that I, that I have a right relationship with God, that I get on the path of starting to connect with him. I want to experience all that he has for me. I'm tired of doing it in and of my own ability. I'm tired of being worn out. I'm tired of beating my head against the wall. If that's you, and you say, Pastor, please pray for me. Remember me in prayer today. Would you slip your hand in the air? And say, that's me. Remember me today. Thank you, ma'am. Anybody else this morning? Thank you, ma'am, right there. Anybody else? Just slip your hand in the air so I can see it this morning. I want to make sure that I get an opportunity to pray for you. And thank you, sir. Anybody else this morning? In the back. Thank you, sir. All the people that I see lifting up hands right now, I believe that they are already believers. And there, and there is no points in heaven for just trying to get somebody to pray. But they are being touched by the Holy Spirit in a way that makes them want to recommit their lives to Jesus. Amen? And so we're just going to pray a prayer like right where we're sitting right now. And we're just going to pray a prayer just to recommit, to get, sometimes that recommitment is just saying, okay, God, I'm not going to live the same way. I'm living in a different place, in a different connection with God. I'm not just going to go on going through the motions. I don't want to live from a carnal Christian standpoint. I want to be spirit living. I want to be revived in the life of God. So just pray this prayer with me. Lift your hands toward heaven for a moment. Lord God Almighty, just pray with me. Jesus, I'm asking you right now to help me to live for you. I need you. I need to hear your voice. I need to be aware of you. Connect me to you. Today I've decided to die. 
I don't want to live for myself. And I'm asking you to make me brand new. Give me a new life in you. I surrender. Holy Spirit, help me. Help me to live a different way. Help me to live from what it is that you're doing. From what it is that you're saying. Make me brand new. Give me a new excitement. And give me a new love for you. Spirit of the living God, there's none like you. There's none like you. If you need healing in your body, just slip your hand up toward heaven. I'm just going to pray a simple prayer. And I'm just going to ask the prayer. There's a, there's a sweet presence of God that all of a sudden came to the room, even when they just began to like play on the keyboard. I could just sense it right there in the name of Jesus. And then, I, and then we'll pray over some people in just a moment. But right now, Lord, God, you see all the needs in this place. Needs, Lord God, that no man can meet, but only you are able. And so I'm asking you right now, Lord God, to release your healing power into their bodies, Lord God. In the name of Jesus, we command these bodies to be healed. We command these bodies to be made whole. In the name of Jesus, every joint right now be healed. Elbow, right now there's an elbow that needs to be healed right now. Heat in that elbow be healed in the name of Jesus. Shoulder be healed in the name of Jesus. Lord God, for those for those digestive issues that are going on right now, in the name of Jesus, we command them healed, Lord God. For the blood disorder right now, in the name of Jesus, be healed, Lord God. Even as we prayed for hormones last night, Lord God, we continue to pray, Lord God, that there are some new ones in here, Lord God, that need their hormones and chemicals in their bodies to begin to align in the name of, of Jesus. Father God, Father God, headaches, headaches, migraine, headache, come out in the name of Jesus. You cannot stay. Insomnia, come out in the name of Jesus. Father God, pain from a prior accident, head injury right now in the name of Jesus, leave. Be made whole in the name of Jesus. Lord, for this little baby right here, Lord God, be made whole in the name of Jesus. Mighty God, touch her afresh in the name of Jesus. There's none like you. Lord, for this woman's knees, Lord God, we pray, Lord God, for her knees, Lord God, the pain to come out, Lord God, even as this other woman testified about no knee pain. We thank you for the faithfulness of this woman right here in the name of Jesus. Mighty God, there's an inheritance that is on you, mighty woman of God. The faithfulness in which you have shown when you have, could have complained, and the Lord says that you do not complain. The Lord says that there is a reason why you're still here. You've even said, you know, Lord, if you want me to go, I'm ready to go. But the Lord says that I am not done. There is an inheritance. There is something with family that God is going to put 
back together in this time frame. You're about ready to get a new authority and a new voice even for another generation. As a matter of fact, I see like, like a training of women, the Lord says, you're going to show people you're going to show people there's going to be a discipling. There's going to be an ability to show people a way of life in the name of Jesus. Mighty God, be made whole. Be healed in the name of Jesus. Father God, Father God, Father God, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. Lord, I know, Lord God, that you have something more that you want. There's a fire of God and there's a heat that's coming on you right now in the name of Jesus. There's a desire for the more. There's a desire for the more. The Lord says, quit beating yourself up. The Lord says, quit walking in a place of shame. The Lord says that it is not yours. You're doing more than enough. You feel like you're supposed to be doing more, but you're already doing enough, says the Lord torment and affliction. Take your hands off of this mighty woman of God. Any pain, any weariness in her body, Lord God, come out in Jesus' name. Fire. Peace. 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 Peace of God in her mind. And the Lord says that the place that you came from, the Lord says, even the trauma that you experienced as a kid, the Lord says, it was not from me. But you are not the same person, says the Lord. And the Lord says, even your family, even your daughter, she will not have the same problems that you ever had. You're a great mom. Mighty God. Mighty God. As a matter of fact, there's an evangelistic thing in you, but there's a deliverance anointing in you, and God's going to deliver you once and for all, and the Lord says that in that you will break people out of bondage in Jesus' name. There's a fire, there's a fire, there's a breaker that is inside of you. Lord, I just pray, Lord God, for just a new, a new peace in their home, a new alignment in their home. Uh, just a renewed love even for one another in their marriage in the name of Jesus. Fire of God. Fire. There's extended family that the Lord is about ready to do a work in. The Lord says even where there has been walls and you haven't even had one some around because of what uh, they, they, they represent. But the Lord says, the Lord says, I'm going to use you to, to begin to speak things. They're going to set people free in the name of Jesus. Matter of fact, there's a forgiveness that is going to so happen in your heart that is so going to realign things. People are going to know it's from God. Mighty God, mighty God, mighty God, we give you praise. We give you glory. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, even for this mighty man of God right here in the name of Jesus, the Lord says, the Lord says that, that you have come so far, says the Lord. <laughs> The Lord says that you knew a loyalty with a, for a different way of life. And the Lord says that I am going to manifest that in the church. You're going to show people what it really means to walk together and to be brothers in the Lord. And the Lord says that I am going to bring men around you that will lift up your arms and your hands. And the Lord says that there will be an impartation of the Father heart of God. And you will begin to have a heart of a father in a way that is different than you even expected that you would have. The inadequacies are being broken off. The Lord says the generation of, uh, 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 of a lack of fathering is being broken and there is a brand new thing that he's doing inside of you. Mighty God. The Lord says there was like an abandonment and the Lord says that in that abandonment you felt like that you were orphaned. You felt like that you had something less. The Lord says I'm going to so show you what it means that I am your father that you will know that you have more than enough.
And there's a protector in you, says the Lord, that you're one that stands up and you protect family. Mighty God, there's a fighter, there's a warrior. But the Lord says there's a limitation or there's been a label somehow that was put on you that makes it feel like it's a struggle and it's a financial struggle somehow and it's made you feel inadequate somehow. I break that right now in the name of Jesus. The Lord says you weren't just meant to come a part of something. You were meant to birth something in the name of Jesus. There's an entrepreneurial thing that is inside of you, says the Lord. Go forth and start, says the Lord, and you will begin to make a bigger difference. And I not only in what it is that you would do to for provision, but the Lord says that you will mentor others in the mighty name of Jesus. Father God, Father God, just do a work in my brother's life in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, Lord God Almighty. Right now for this mighty woman of God right here in Jesus' name. Mighty God, I pray for peace in her mind. I pray for peace in her mind. I just feel like the Lord is showing me that somehow that you keep at like um, you keep like reflecting on all the things that you feel like that you're not living up to somehow. The Lord says that you're way too hard on yourself. You need to stop that, says the Lord. The Lord says that's not me. It's a lie. It's of the pit of hell, says the Lord. Mighty God, there is a creativity that is in you, says the Lord. And the Lord says that I want to use that creativity, says God, in order to minister to other people. And the Lord says it's not meant to be kept inside. The Lord says that the enemy's got like a hand where he's trying to keep everything internalized rather than come out. But the Lord says this is your season. This is your season. Mighty God. Healing of God. Healing of God. Healing of God in her body right now in the name of Jesus. Worthy is your name. Worthy is your name. Worthy is your name, oh God. There's none like you, Jesus. Isn't he a good God? Isn't he a good God? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Here's, in just a minute, I, I, I'm going to close this service, and if you want, if you want prayer, you can come and get prayer because there's people that they may have to leave and they may not feel like they can stay for the whole time and things, um, you know, while we're ministering over people. But it's not meant to be um, praying over people so that it can be a show or so it's a public thing. But it is meant to be a demonstration that God can speak. Amen. And so, like, every word doesn't have to be, like, in front of everybody as well. But if you if you want to stay, feel free to stay. I'll give it back to Pastor in a moment. Amen. Amen. I'll, I'm going to pray for my friends in the back, too, and stuff, um, because I know they said they had to leave early, but they stayed the whole time. Amen. Lord, I thank you for this mighty man and woman of God right here in the name of Jesus, that you're new, doing a new thing in them. The Lord says, do not look back. The Lord says, I already know all of the things that weigh on you in terms of feeling like the mistakes, the failures of old, they are not yours. They're not yours to own. Lord, I pray right now, Lord God, for this mighty woman of God. I just feel like the, that there's something in your body that God wants to touch. There's a need of healing in your body. 
And I don't know for sure what it is, but I feel like there's something I'm supposed to pray for your blood. Right now, Lord God, I command her blood to be made whole. She came desperate this morning, Lord God. She came desperate for you. Her husband, Lord God, is standing, Lord God, in desperation for his wife. Lord God, by your stripes, Lord God, we command her to be healed. Mighty woman of God, we command her to be made whole in the name of Jesus. Show yourself to her. Show your love to her. And I feel like the Lord says that you are the one that has been a strength to many before. As a matter of fact, when there's been the ups and downs and there's been the inconsistency, you have been the one that is a woman of faith. You have been the one that has been steady and you have stood for many. And I feel like the Lord's going to stand for you. He sees you. This word is just about him saying, I see you. And that I haven't forgotten you. I know where you live. (laughs) And I love you. And I want you to know that I love you. There's a heat on your forehead from head to toe right now. Be made whole. Thank you, Jesus. And even now the Lord says, if I have even as I have you on a different path, the Lord says, I will do more on this path than I would have if you would have done what it is that you thought you wanted to do. Thank you, Jesus. There's about ready to be another level of provision that's going to be released. And even though the provision has never been enough to fulfill, the Lord says that you're going to make a big difference in the lives of people and the meeting of needs, says the Lord. And get ready, because there's about ready to be a harvest of souls. There's about ready to be a harvest of souls as you go, as you travel, as you go from here and there, the Lord says that there will be divine appointment after divine appointment. Lord God Almighty, in the name of Jesus. And get ready, there's, there's been some conflicts um, with family. And I just feel like that God is about ready to cause those conflicts to go. There's about ready to be some open doors. There's about ready to be some reconciling with some family relationships. And as a matter of fact, this season has been so hard because you have felt like you're alone and you don't have the support of family. But the Lord says that you are not alone. Mighty God. I haven't forgotten you, but I am with you. And although the journey has been long, (laughs) the Lord says, the Lord says, I am faithful and I will do more in the time that felt like it was stolen or wasted. And I will redeem the time in the name of Jesus. Matter of fact, there's a child too that you've been really concerned about. Um, And I just feel like the Lord says, I'm answering your prayers for that child. Matter of fact, woman of God, you've been praying relentlessly. It's been your biggest It's been your biggest thorn in the side. Mighty God. Let it go, says the Lord. Let it go. The Lord says, I will do more with the letting go than I will with the holding on in Jesus' name. Mighty God. Mighty God. We give you praise. We give you glory. There's none like you, Jesus. There is none like you, Jesus. 
So I'm going to give it back. I don't know if I give it to Pastor. Hallelujah. Give the Lord a hand. Amen. But I'm going to make myself available um, for prayer. If you want a book or you want something at my table, I think Celeste or her daughter, somebody will be out at the table and then get something. But um, I, I hope you got something out of this morning. I hope you feel like the Lord was here. I felt like the Lord was here. I know God was talking to people and, 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 and he's showing himself to people. But I'm also available for prayer. Please know that if I didn't pray over this morning, it's just because of time. I'm trying to be uh, sympathetic to time. We were here all weekend as well. But I am available. If you need prayer for healing, um, you need prayer uh, just in any way, I, I'll be here and make myself available. Amen. But it's not meant to be a show. It's meant to be God showing himself to you. Amen. So first, could we just thank Dennis? He spent the whole weekend. Um, um, sharing his gift with us, which is a real blessing. Um, I, I think what I'd like to do is I, I'd like us to worship one song together to just close the service. And um, when we're done with that, I, I think Dennis is going to make himself just available if somebody wants prayer. Um, yeah, I don't think I have more to say. <laughs> I, want, I want to wax eloquent, but I don't have anything to say other than I, I think let's worship Jesus a song together if we can do that. So if I could ask you all to stand, let's, let's close out the weekend, a week of fasting, a week of ministry, and then, um, and we want to leave the lights where they're at. Don't turn them all the way off, please. Um, but let's just sing this song together that they're going to lead us in, and then afterwards I'll dismiss you. And um, those who want to get prayer can come and sneak up. Holy, holy, are you Lord God Almighty? Worthy is the Lamb, worthy is the Lamb. For you are holy, holy, are you Lord God Almighty, worthy is the Lamb, worthy is the Lamb, for you are holy. Are you Lord God Almighty? Worthy is the Lamb, worthy is the Lamb, worthy, worthy is the Lamb, worthy is the Lamb, for you are holy. Are you Lord God Almighty? Worthy is the Lamb, worthy is the Lamb, worthy, worthy is the Lamb, worthy is the Lamb.
we want to thank you that you love us so much that you show up over and over again. God, I, I pray especially for those who need to hear your voice right now, a sense of, of clarity, of open heavens, of a release of the Spirit of God, something that is, has them leaving here confident and not wondering. And over the whole weekend, that is very much what, what Dennis was encouraging us from your heart was to dial in and listen and have a genuine relationship with you. God, we're thankful for the body of Christ. We're thankful that you gift different people different ways. We thank you for prophetic gifts. We thank you for healing gifts. We thank you for gifts of worship. And we got to, I think the thing we want to say together is we thank you for your son. There's not a better gift. It's not a better gift. God, we love the admonishment and encouragement, how it builds our souls. Words in the moment, those are amazing. But what's even more amazing is the presence of Jesus in each one of our lives. So God, help us to press in past the veil, not just in this Sunday morning, but in our everyday lives, to seek your, your face, to hear your voice that the pressures of life would not sway us because we know in whom we've trusted. And you're an unshakable God who's faithful. So God, I speak peace over us. Because it's what you spoke over us. You said, my peace I leave, my peace I give you. And he said, I don't give peace the way the world gives it. God, let the presence of the Prince of Peace reside in each one of us now. Yeah, so grateful. I don't want to go anywhere because I'm loving the presence of God. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to close it. <laughs> oh, man. in Jesus' name.